Welcome to another episode of the Just Get Started podcast. I'm your host, Brian Andreco, and thanks again for being a part of this journey where we talk with people who are trying to live their most fulfilling life, which often tends to be on a much different path than it started out on. Whether it was changing careers, getting laid off from a job which sparked their entrepreneurial journey, or breaking through the noise to answer their calling. All of these types of situations and more, but they wouldn't have gotten to where they're at today if they didn't get started. We talk about the why and the how of these getting started moments and the lessons learned along the way. I'm grateful to have you listening in along on this episode, so let's get it started. On this week's episode, please welcome in Tommy Baker, who is the author and host of Resist Average Academy. Tommy has coached, trained, and taught thousands of clients within his Resist Average Academy programs and iTunes podcast. He is the author of several books, including The Leap of Your Life, How to Redefine Risk, Quit Waiting for Someday and Live Boldly, The 1% Rule, How to Fall in Love with the Process and Achieve Your Wildest Dreams, and his newest book, Hustlers and Seekers, How to Crush It and Find Fulfillment Without Losing Your Mind. And I'm really excited for you all to get into this interview. So without further ado, please welcome in Tommy Baker. Tommy, welcome to the podcast. Glad to have you. Brian, thanks so much. Uh, honored to be here, and uh, and thank you for having me. Yeah, honored to talk with you, and uh, excited to learn more about your journey and have you have you share that with the listeners. Uh, I thought I'd start off with uh, just kind of a general blanket question because I'm really curious where you'll take this. You can you can give me multiple answers, but think of all the stuff you're doing today. I'm assuming, and I could be wrong, but if we talked 20 years ago, you probably would have never even be able to plan out what you're doing today, right? So was there a turning point, maybe it's one, maybe it's two in your journey that got you on and kind of veered you off the path you're on onto the one you're at today? Is there anything that resonates with you as kind of a big moment? (laughs) Yeah, many, many. Um, The one that constantly comes up was, is, you know, and I love it because we have these turning points and I call them inflection points. And it's kind of like railroad tracks and you get one tick off one and you're in a completely different place, which is kind of what you said in terms of 20 years ago. Um, but for me, uh, actually being on a train, hence the metaphor, uh, of the train tracks being on a train and headed into, uh, New York city to work on wall street was one of those. Um, and, uh, it was something that um, I never really wanted to do. I had no passion in, I had no interest in, but I just was, I lived on the East coast um, and I lived in New York and that was just the industry that dominated. And if you weren't in that industry, um, you just had less value in people's eyes. I mean, it was just a natural thing. And so I got pushed into that, you know, into, into that wave and, um, in 2008, I'm on the train and it was when the financial crisis, it was the biggest day where the Dow dropped like 12%, 15%, whatever it was, right. like crazy day, Black Friday, whatever they call it. And um, that day I was on the train, Brian, and I just, that gave me the permission to say, I'm, I'm on the wrong track right now. Like literally in this train and just figuratively in my life, like this is not working out. And, um, there are so many men on the train in their forties, fifties, sixties, who just looked like they weren't supposed to be on that train either. And I saw a mirror image of myself in them. And I said, something has to change. Now I don't know what it is I want. All I know is that this is what I don't want. And so that was one of those moments that for me, like even talking about it now, if that wouldn't have happened, I don't know if I would have had the courage to make the change at another time. And that's why I think these moments are so powerful. How long, how long were you in the financial industry prior to making that decision? Was it just a few years or? Just a few years, but I was starting to become entrenched. I was performing well, which is like one of those things, right? Uh, Gretchen Rubin talks about this. She has this concept called drift. And she's like, you know, when people think you're drifting, it means that you're just not doing much. And she's like, no, you can actually be performing incredibly well when you're drifting. And that actually makes it worse and harder to get out. So at that point, it had been about three and a half years. Um, But, you know, I was getting all of the societal accolades and the claps and Mm -hmm. putting stuff on my LinkedIn profile. And that can really get us stuck in that place. And so that day, it awakened me to say, this is not what I want. Now what? 
Yeah. Well, and, and that's why, that's why, I've, and I was really excited to have you on here just because you're embodying that whole, just get started mantra that, you know, that I have, that I talk about is like, you decided, Hey, I, I got to do something. This, this is not working. This path that was, you know, the, Hey, let's work for 30 years and ride off in the sunset on, you know, on the, uh, in retirement. And I, and I even it's funny you say that as an aside, like just talking with some friends recently that have mentioned that like, yeah, you know, I, I I'm getting this promotion and I'll be able to kind of put a little more toward retirement and, you know, 65, I'll do this. And I'm like, and my, my actually, I got one of them like, uh, what? Cause I said to him, I said, what if you don't make it to 65? Yeah, man. I'm like, what do you get? Like, you're going to do the next 30 years and be pissed off and, and grumpy just to get to 65. Uh, so anyways, that, that we could take, go down that path. So I'm curious. To I love ask, that. I'm curious to ask, and this is a big thing I, I like to, to chat with folks about is you decided to make, like to say, I'm making a change. This is not working. What, what did you have to do to commit? Cause one thing to say, we all say all day, Hey, I'm going to start running tomorrow. I'm going to do this or that, but sure. to, com- to commit to the change and actually put things in action. How, how was that process for you mentally? How was that process? Maybe from an identity standpoint, you were known as the financial guy. Can you share just some of those moments from 20, you know, 2008, maybe in the, in the next years prior or the next years in, in advance of that? Yeah, I, I love that. And it's, it's such a great question. And I do think, you know, there's a huge difference between intentions and these half-hearted desires or even just desires. Like they don't even, maybe they aren't even half-hearted, but that never go anywhere. And the word that you use, which is commitment. And so when I use the, when I hear the word commitment, I think of, um, there are no plan B's after this. Like it's binary to me. It's very, uh, if you're 98% committed, um, to me, you're actually, you're not committed. You might as well be 0% committed because that that last 2% can be exactly what you need to take that to the next level and actually manifest the things that you're looking for. Um, and so for, for me, it was, it took, the, 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 I, the gift on the train that I got was seeing myself in 30 years. So like what you just said about retirement, mm-hmm. I was able to viscerally see, um, what my future looked like. And, uh, yes, this is, this is judgment, but it's also reality. Um, there was not a lot of passion on that train. Mm-hmm. There's not a lot of deep rooted, like purpose from like a heart level. Um, there probably wasn't a lot of awe and wonder and curiosity. And there probably wasn't a lot of flow state. Mm. All of these things. There probably wasn't a lot of a sense of aliveness on a daily basis. Um, sure, there was a lot of money, but everything else was, was, was missing. And so the answer to your question for me was that it took, which is what I consider the first step of any transformation or any enduring commitment, which is to be willing to look at ourselves in the mirror nakedly, fully and just be there in that reality because in my industry our industry there's a lot of events um and a lot of people that sell the vision and the possibility which is great we all need vision we all need possibility but that can become a distraction and we can paint the most immaculate vision but if we're not clear on where we are today and furthermore the consequences of where we are today then that vision loses urgency. It just becomes a form of what I call personal growth avoidance or spiritual entertainment. It's just some idea in the ether that sounds good on paper. Like you said, we never do anything to it. So the answer is pain. Now um, we can get there in many ways, but we have to, it, it just starts with being able to look at our circumstances in our lives, whether it's our health, our business, our career, our creativity, our relationships and say, this is, this is the, these are the facts of this situation in our, my life today. You're not going to judge yourself. You're not going to you turn into an emotional mess or you might've at some point, but it's being able to say like, I take responsibility for these decisions, these choices and these decisions got me to this place. Now equipped with that honesty, now you can really go to the place of commitment. But I think a lot of people skip this step, Brian. I know I certainly did in the past because like what I call radical honesty in the moment doesn't always feel that good, you know, right, right, right. but it, it opens that door. It's like that key lock that opens the door to the commitment on the other side. And once you felt that, that sting, that pain, um, it really compels you to not want to feel that again. I didn't want to feel that empty. Like I did on the train ever again in my career. And, and, you know, 15 years later, I haven't ever experienced that again. 
because of that moment. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you went back when you talked at the beginning about the, the train and kind of getting on the train, it, it almost seemed like a good portion of getting on that train every day. wasn't your choice. It was, maybe it was family and friends growing up. It was, you know, being pushed to say, ah, you probably should just do something because it's safe maybe, or you're going to make a lot of money. So if you make a lot of money, it's going to give you this security, Who, whatever it is. So making that choice of like, I'm going to make that, because I think that's the big thing too. And I went through this is like, I'm making the decision. It might be the wrong decision, but I'm making it from my heart, what I want to do after yes. going through that versus doing it because my mom said I should do it or because my cousin thought this would be a good idea for me. Or I don't know, making those things up. Totally, like, totally, yeah. Like, how did you get, I, I guess, maybe some of the action items to get to that place? And you're talking about standing in the mirror, kind of looking at yourself. Are there some action items you took? Did you did you go through some any exercises? What, what do you, what worked for you to be able to get over that hump? Yeah, no, it's so the the first step was that 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 radical honesty. Um, part of part of this, and and I like that nuance that you you talked about there because yes, um, all of these forces were really pulling me like they do for many of us in, in our lives, just cultural forces parental forces, familial forces, social forces, they pull us. They're kind of like tectonic plates. Um, we don't always see them, but they are affecting our behavior. Um, now, ultimately, it's still our responsibility. Like for me, right. I still chose all of those things. Um, and that's one of the most powerful things that we all have agency. And agency is just the fancy way of saying, you know, the ability to choose. Um, however, here's, here's, here's the real truth, <laughs> Brian, that I had, I had felt what I call whispers and nudges and insights into the change that I had to make. I mean, three years before that, you know? Right. And so one of the best places that I encourage people to look into is to examine some of their inner talk and examine some of those moments of clarity that we all get. It doesn't matter how stuck you are or how far away you are from where you want to be, or even how comfortable you want to be. You are we all get these small insights that they, they do start out as these whispers that they come like during quiet moments. Maybe you wake up first in your household and it's before the sunrise and you just, you, something hits you or late at night or when the plane levels off at 30, 37,000 feet. If you can be aware of those whispers when they are whispers and the stakes are relatively low, that's when you can start making small change that really allows you to avoid um, some of these rock bottom moments. Cause the whispers start out as whispers, but then they turn into full fledged, like right, waking yeah. you up in the middle of the night saying, let's go splashing cold water in your face. And unfortunately for a lot of people, it does have to get there. But now in retrospect, I recognize that it doesn't. And so I would say it's the radical honesty to, 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 understand that you're not where you want to be. And that's hundred percent your responsibility. And now if you could choose, if you chose something that didn't work, you can chase, you can certainly choose something that's going to work. But even before that, it's listening to that intuitive part of yourself um, and not letting it go to waste. I, I think that's so far been a thread of this conversation is that we have insights, we have answers, we have clarity. We might not have every, all the clarity that we need in the world, but we have enough to get started. And that's, that, that's why I love the name of your show because um, we don't need to go on a nine-year vision quest to actually get started. If we listen to our intuition, if we listen to the whispers, if we look at some of the things that are happening on our life on a daily basis, um, we can have some pretty clear answers towards the direction that we should go. Well, and, and I think you bring up a good point is those small little incremental steps. And, and I, I want to get into this a little bit with you, um, kind of uh, foreshadowing right, the podcasting and writing and all this stuff and coaching, what have you, but anyone that's listening, right. And because I think you and I probably both went through this is you just try a little bit or you, you, yeah. you taste it, you know, it's like tasting a little bit, you know, take a little spoonful. I'm not, I'm not making a whole meal out of this, or I'm not going to give it to everyone. I'm just going to taste it. Does it have enough salt, pepper, whatever. It's the same thing of like, if someone wants to try to write something, you don't have to go write a novel, Go, go write a couple blog articles, see how it feels to put your thoughts down on paper, see how the reaction is if you put it on, you know, like, I think that small little incremental step, because you might find like, God, actually, I hate doing this, or I don't, I can't commit exactly. to this or whatever. 
great. Then go down the other path, you know, find something else. But at least you can, that whisper all of a sudden starts to dissipate because you've at least tried it. You know, it's not, it's saying like, ah, I can't really do that because of whatever. Well, no, because you never tried it. You actually never know. Cause we always overcome those things, right? All of us have said something in our mind we couldn't do. And then we actually achieved it. And we look back, we're like, why didn't we think we could do that? You know what I'm saying? We, exactly. we all have those things in life, whether yeah. they're small or big. Um, yeah. And to your point, that's what you're talking about is what I call real world clarity, which is like the clarity that happens when you and I go and experiment out into the world and right. actually put ourselves out there. The other is what I call assumptive clarity, which looks great on whiteboards, which I love, by the way. Uh, <laughs> but it's still assumptive. It's saying, you know, and, 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 and that's why it's so important to to be able to test and try and experiment when things are low stake, because like you said, you discover the things that you're naturally curious at that you're, that you're naturally drawn to. You start to, you know what? I like this. I don't like this. You know, I'm really good at this. And you start to reveal some of what I call, if we keep going on the dish uh, metaphor, some of the ingredients of what ultimately ends up being your career path and and the rest of your life basically, but it has to start there. And if you start for many people, if you, if you put the pressure of like, I'm going to write a novel you know, in the month of November, which is a real thing that people do. Right. Um, it can, it can get, it can be, it can be overwhelming and yeah. you can lose, you can lose the desire that you had because you placed way too much pressure on yourself. Yeah. And that's why I want to go back. I love what you said with the radical honesty, because if we're actually being honest, like, well, like, like if we use your example, your experience in the financial world, that was, exper- that was an experiment. It didn't work, yeah. right? It was like, okay, yeah. I have this. And I don't think enough of us are critical of where we're at today and the choices we made. And to use that as the experience, like, oh, I tried that. I actually don't like it. But why do I keep showing up and doing that? You know? Exactly. I, I just don't think we do that enough. Um, so I don't know where I'm going with that. I was just, that was kind of a free, free thought I had on the, but it brings up a great point, which is what I call the adaptation effect, which is, um, and that was what was really, I think on a subconscious level, I didn't know this like at the time, but I was, I, I think I was deathly afraid of being, getting too much growth and too much success inside of that world because, um, because we adapt, we're so good at adapting. So it's like, we've all experienced this, right? Somebody listening is like, you know what? you you're experiencing some financial hardship. So you, you sign up for a job and the day that you sign up in the back of your head, you're saying, you know what, Brian, 90 days, I am out of here. I'm just doing this just for, just for this season, just cause I need, I need to figure some things out in my finances and then I'll be good. And then you're like 90 days into it and you got some coworkers and they got the happy hour and right. you're not making what you really want, but you know, it's every two weeks, your, your chase account is getting pinged with a deposit. And now going back to identity, identity, now you're starting to feel yourself in this role, you're comfortable. And then you wake up seven years later and you have a management position, but it's not the thing that you wanted. And that's the dangerous part of the, what I call the adaptation effect. Now, the good news is we can use adaptation towards what we want because we're so good. Humans are just so incredible at adapting that we can use it towards, you know, crafting a life, a business, whatever you, whatever you want towards what we actually want and acquire skill sets and mindsets and the resilience and the emotional work and all of that stuff that's going to lead us to the right place. But again, it can be very dangerous to stay stuck in a place because we've simply just, Hey, we've, you know, we've adapted. And one of the things that I look at, Brian, I don't know about you. It's like, I look at people's language, you know, when they say, when I say, you know, how are you doing? But like, how are you really doing? Not just like, you know, what we say to the cashier. Um, If they say things like, yeah, I'm just making a buy or, I'm good, but like, you know, and their language and their body language starts to come or I'm, I'm, I'm fine. But then I know it's like, they're adapting to something that deep down they don't really want. Um, and again, that's, that's an opportunity to make a change. Yeah. When, uh, you know, what I didn't ask you, I'm actually curious is what the transition for you. So 2008, you're on the train. Yeah. How did you adapt? Like, did you quit? Did you leave the job? Did you get asked to leave? I know 2008, a lot of people get, again, were asked to leave. Um, did, did you make a path? What, what did those next few years look like for you to get out of that? Yeah, that day I, I officially left. Um, because again, it was like, if that's not a wake up call, I mean, I don't, I don't know what it is, you know, like a, well, now with COVID and stuff, but like once in a generation type circumstance in terms of what was going on uh, back then. 
Um, and, uh, and I laugh a little bit because the transition is messy. It was messy and it is messy. And for 99% of people, it is going to be messy, but when it's messy and you're pursuing something of your own choosing that hopefully lights something inside of you, you, the mess is actually part of the wonder and the surprise and the, and the stories that you'll get to tell. Um, but, uh, so that day I literally, um, I got off the train and I said, well, this isn't happening. And so, uh, went to Barnes and Noble that day actually. And, uh, in Barnes and Noble picked up like 10 books. Uh, I sat in one of their coffee tables and I just, again, I had known what I didn't want. And then I was like, okay, if I'm not going to do that, what the hell am I going to do? Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and that's going to be a scary question because, a lot of people like you grab them on the street, they'll tell you what they don't want, but they have some hesitation with what they do want. Um, I often think that's cause it's a vulnerable thing to like put yourself on the line and, and tell people what you actually want. Um, I think that's about 80% of it, but 20% of it is actually like they don't have clarity around it. And so that start, I just started to explore. I was like, here are the things that I value. Like I value my time and energy freedom. Here are some of the skills I have currently right now here's what people tell me i'm naturally good at and i just started to take inventory but the transition is messy and i always say it's 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 okay if it's messy it's supposed to be messy don't have this expectation that it's gonna that you're gonna seamlessly transition into the next thing um but instead some of the things that we've talked about stay curious stay open test and you know i fell on my face many many times but when you fall on your face and it's it's again you're doing something that's inspiring to you you get back up much, much faster. And and that's the beauty of it. What, so what made you specifically like writing? Cause now if I'm right, your fourth book is coming out, right? Is that right? Yes. Your yeah. fourth book. Congrats on that, by the way. I oh, appreciate it, man. Um, Thanks yeah, so man. much. You know, I mean, one's, one's a big accomplishment. So getting four out, that's, that's quite an endeavor. What had, had you always written in the past here and there? Or did you, was this something brand new when you actually started to get into writing? Yeah. So the incredible thing is, you know, um, <clears throat> I have this amazing grandmother who used to send me books, uh, my whole childhood. And, uh, and, you know, early on, like when you're young, you're reading the books and stuff like that. And then, and then I got like too cool for the books during the teen years, but she would still send them. She was like relentless. It was great. I wouldn't read them, but she would just still send them. And so this kind of love of books and learning, cause it was always ingrained. And obviously when I came back around and I was like, this is incredible. Like what a mentor, like what a, a gift that, that she gave me. So that was, that was definitely um, always part of me. However, in school, and, and again, this is back to the tectonic influences that we all have. Um, I honestly didn't consider myself smart at all. I mean, I would never be caught dead using that word. Uh, I never used the word creative for 20 to 25 years. Um, just the, 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 the method I didn't connect with, with, with the learning method, which is hilarious because, um, probably much like you, like I am an obsessive learner now, like I can't get enough learning. And so, you know, to me, that was always part of me. And I, again, clarity, you know, clarity, this is why it's so important to understand that a lot of the things that end up being huge facets of our life in our business are already inside of us. I'm not saying everything, things have to be developed. You have to try new things, et cetera, et cetera. But a lot of them are just hiding underneath the corners. And for me, that was writing. And so, um, it was always in there, but I had to remove all of these layers of like, I'm not a creative or I'm not, I'm not smart, or I could never sit down and do that. Or who would want to hear about this? Um, and you know, when I started my own business after the wall street thing, I was like, wow, I can, I can use writing. I can use language to help people in the service that I'm offering mm-hmm. and influence them in a way where they, they connect with what I'm doing. And so that, you know, to get out of the school or to get out of the professional, the traditional uh, professional scope and use my writing for something that was, I was passionate with, it completely changed me. And I was like, this is, this is exactly what I need to be doing. Mm-hmm. But you know, I have t- 10 domain names on GoDaddy for blogs that never did anything, <laughs> right? Because right? I, I was putting stuff out there and writing. And so I actually, my team and I, my team tallied um, the other day how much. So we, we tallied somewhere around 4,500 blog posts, um, 1,100 live videos. Anyway, somewhere around there in terms of content that I've created uh, just in the past seven to eight years. 
Um, and, uh, and it's, it's funny because like you said earlier, it just, it's about pulling at the thing that, that that's already inside of you and just getting your work out there in some shape or form. And by the way, uh, my grandma, not that one, another one, um, was my, my, my first reader for the first three months, <laughs> you know, she'd go on the blog and she'd say, I love you. You're amazing. And, uh, and I'd be like, damn, nobody's reading this. And guess what? That's part of the process. Yeah. What, uh, do you go back and read some of those old articles? I do. I mean, to be honest, so, uh, so I, even my first book, I, I, I kind of cringe at, uh, some of the, some of the writing in there. Um, and I think that's okay. And actually I just saw a caption by John Mayer who, um, who actually grew up uh, like right next to each other. He has one of his albums, um, his first album came out 20 years ago. So he did a caption on Instagram recently. And he said, he has a song, your body's a wonderland. It was a huge hit, you know? And he's like, he was basically saying in the caption, to be honest, I was like, not, you know, I've been so embarrassed at that song years later because, you know, the kid was, it was a kid. It was so naive. And I was like, I wrote the song because it sounded good to have a song called your body is a wonderland. And the best part about that caption was that he said, 20 years later, that's the energy that he's still looking for. He's looking for that naive version of himself that is willing to put something out there without caring what people think or about the critics or even what his fans want, like all of that stuff. And so, um, yeah, of course, man, I, I read that stuff and it's, it's, it's both I'm embarrassed by this. And at the same time, I'm proud of the person who had the, 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 had the willingness to put this out there. And I think that's yeah. a good spot to be in if you're focused on always getting better. Uh, cause you do want your work to get better, but you don't want to be the person that says, Hey, once I have mastered this skill set, then I'll put my work out there. Cause you'll never put your work out there. Right. And if you, and if you don't put it out there, you don't get to your fourth book. Like you have to, you know, there is some, exactly. right. There is some progression here. Right. I mean, yeah. I mean, even, even Oprah, like I, I always bring up Oprah on the show because I used to watch it as a kid with my grandmother. And, uh, but it's like Oprah, like Oprah is such a massive figure and everything, but even she would probably agree like, well, those early days on the, you know, the local news channel made her what she was like, she honed her skill there to kind of grow up. It's the same thing. We all come from somewhere. It's just, if you don't put your work out there, no one's going to see it. And you probably are going to have no idea to even know, is this working? Is it not? How's my message? Cause it does change over time. Right. Which is my curiosity is how have you, so if you had a, if you had to be critical of yourself, like what's, what's like a belief maybe that you had back in book one or even earlier, that's now it's like completely opposite. Is there, is there something that's that kind of your mindset has changed? Like, wow, I, I can't believe I thought that way or anything. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, and it's not surprising over indexing on, on ambition to a degree that's, um, and I think ambition is very important. Um, I talk about it a lot in my new book and it's very psychologically healthy, but just, you know, being in that state of, fervor almost where ambition is like really the only thing that that that's important that's something obviously that it has changed a lot um and just the nuance right like i think uh brian holiday talks about this when he he talks about like reading his old writing and he's like man i was so i was so defiant back then and uh and i i feel like i i took that to like times 10 you know where it's like you want to bleed on the page. You want to, if, if you're sharing something, you want the person on the other side to, to re, like, you want to impact them on such a big level, but you're trying too damn hard. And that, that's what I was doing. I was like, and some of the best work that we've all read or the art that we've consumed actually changes us by being less direct. Um, and I think that that's a very powerful thing because we learn through stories. We learn through metaphors. We, you know, stuff like that. And so, yeah, those are some of the things that, that have changed. And I was telling someone the other day that I feel like as time evolves, my work will be, um, less direct and less, less prescriptive, even though my stuff is still very prescriptive. Um, but I think it'll only get more important because not everything has to be completely uh, prescriptive that many times, um, you know, you and I can tell people how to launch a podcast and, 
all the tips and tricks and the A to Z to launch their podcast. And that, that works at some point, but um, if they heard our stories of launching our podcast and the messes, some of the stuff that we were talking about when we were recording um, and some of the times where we felt jumbled or stuck in the middle of a conversation, that might be more valuable than the actual steps to get started. And I think there's a nice in between those two, but yeah, man, there's a lot where I'm like, I know the state of mind that I was in. um, And so I can appreciate it, but, and that's good though, but you want to, you want to look back on your stuff and see your evolution in real time. I think that's um, also not just for your craft or whatever you call it, but also just like, on a, on a monthly yearly basis, like looking back and to me, the way that I do this is that I really celebrate my wins and I write them down. Cause I liked looking back like three years ago and being like, what was exciting? What was, what was I celebrating three years ago? And Oh, that's become like a random Tuesday today. I think that's fun. I think that's cool because, um, it, it, it shows our growth in real time. And I'm the worst person to see my growth in real time. You're the worst person to see your growth in real time. The person listening, they're the worst. Uh, because we're just too close, too close with our lives. Yeah, that's a great point. Uh, let, let's actually, I want to double click on that a little bit more is like the, from a consistency standpoint, obviously if you're taking that um, approach or like, Hey, I got to write this stuff down. I got to be smart about it. I want to look at it down the road. You kind of have an intention with it. Are there certain habits or systems or, you know, maybe it's a priority system you have. How do you kind of structure maybe a day or week? Like, are, are there some things that you put into place that are like must haves? Yeah, love to that. be able to get things completed so you don't get all scatterbrained and all over the place. A hundred percent, man. And I think, I think that's, uh, it's important, especially now when like so much of our boundaries have kind of time is passing really fast for a lot of people right now. Their work and home life are blending into one, one place. And so it becomes even more important to have hab- habits, rituals, and systems that allow you the breathing room for perspective and to be able to retrospectively look back and look forward. So anyways, uh, one of my favorites is for me, it's just called Sunday reflection. People have all other terms, um, for what they use, but basically it's, Hey, for me on Sundays, I'm going to slice out 30 to 45 minutes. That doesn't have to be this long, by the way, it could be 15 to 20. Um, and I'm going to just look back on my week to start. So I'm going to look back. I'm going to ask a few questions. Where did I, where did I win? And, and, you know, wh- wh- where can I celebrate? Where did I win? Where did I kick ass? Where did I take names? Um, two. So let's just say that somebody says, Hey, um, I showed up for, um, you know, I, I wrote four days this week. Awesome. That's a huge win. So I'm going to ask what ingredient of success does that demonstrate? Okay. So you wrote for four days that demonstrates the ingredient of discipline, let's say. Awesome. And it's important to see that because then that tells us or tells me or tell somebody listening, Hey, I already have discipline and at least one in this. If I have it in this place, then I can have it at, at a bigger scale. So that's, that's where we start out. Then I ask, what's the biggest challenge I experienced this week? And again, going back to radical honesty, very, very important. What's the lesson I learned from that challenge that was previously unavailable. So now I'm taking the challenge and instead of living in the emotionality of it, I'm saying, what, lesson do I now have based on that challenge that I didn't have last week? And that's a very potent question. And then I just, so that's kind of the retrospective where I'm looking at the past week. And then I just use that energy to look forward to the next week and ask a simple question. If this was the most progress, progress filled week of my um, year uh, where I felt on purpose, et cetera, et cetera, what would have to happen? It's like a mini vision quest, but just for uh, the upcoming week. And then I make a list of all the things that could happen. And then I take a step back and I say, what are the must haves from this? And I just highlight about three or four things. And those become the things that I'm going to carry with me. And the reason why it's only three to four is because I noticed um, in my life that um, it's very easy to get bogged down in small action steps that sound like you're doing a lot. You know, you got the to-do list and it's amazing um, versus like three needle movers is is what I call them um, that really are the things that you, you and I probably have the most resistance towards, but are the things that are going to give us the highest leverage in terms of our growth. Um, so anyways, this is just called for me, it's called Sunday reflection. Anyone can create their own. There's probably books on it. I'm not sure, but it's about closing the chapter of last week, Mm -hmm. no matter what happened last week, 
getting all the lessons from the successes and the, you know, the challenges, and then taking those and saying, what am I going to create this week? And so for me, that practice is in terms of ROI, it's, it's monumental. How do you think about if I take it on kind of two different prongs? So you take the one, like, obviously you've been podcasting for a lot of years and, you know, like, let's say something, a smaller form like that, maybe that's an hour of time or two hours sure. or something, you know, right. And then let's take a longer scale, like writing the book. How do you think of those similar in terms of like batching or carving out time? Or do you like say, all right, you know, this book, I need, I want to write it in six months. and I'm gonna have this, 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 like, how do you think about those things? Because to me, and this is where I struggle, actually, I don't mind saying is like, you know, it's one thing like, okay, this is going to take 30 minutes, but like newsletter, boom, takes me 30 minutes, sure. I have it set up, whatever. But like writing, it's like, okay, it's never done. You know, it's kind of like, I know. Is there any, I'm curious how you think about that. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's true. Um, I, I like to just break it down. I, I, one of my books is about this. It's called the 1% rule, but I basically like to break things down to their smallest possible step, uh, which was, I actually call the 1% action. Um, so for my writing, the smallest possible step is to get 250 words on paper. Okay. That's it. 250 words. And, uh, and by the way, I've written 250 words, um, after I threw up in a third world country from food poisoning, I've written 250 words on zero rest for three days. I've written 250 words uh, in a hospital actually this year when I had, um, rhabdo from working out. Um, so what I'm saying by that is that's very easy for, for me, you know, 250 words. Like if I can't do 250 words, then I shouldn't call myself a writer. Now I like, I like to go down to that, that small of a, of a action because 250 words takes about 15 minutes. Uh, if I'm focused, mm. I can find 15 minutes anywhere. Now, the reason why this is powerful is because, um, you and I know it, it's never 250 words. <laughs> once we get what well, it's like working out where right? once you right. get that first beat of sweat, now you're in it. Yeah. So the 250 words is like, it's always going to suck. It's going to feel clunky. It's not going to feel good. But 250 words becomes 1,500 words. 250 words becomes 755. 250 words on an amazing day becomes 3,100. Those are rare, but it happens. And you can do that with anything else. Um, anything else. And, and something like a, with a long-term project like that, all, all that does is by, and so by the way, it could be 250 words. It could be reaching out to an agent. It could be working on the cover, whatever right. the actual thing is. But one of the issues with long-term girls is the delayed gratification, right? Like by the way, you know, I've been working on this new book for two and a half years. I still haven't seen it. I haven't seen it in physical format. Mm. Uh, only now is that really frustrating because I'm like, right. I'm just like tired of working on something and not seeing it. And um, when did you, can I, if, if you don't mind me interrupting, when did you actually ship the final like manuscript, the final version? How long has it been? It's been so long, man. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know. And I, I don't even know what's in there anymore. So, so it's, it's like, I was telling my wife the other day, I was like, cause, cause I was like, she, she wants to write a book. And I was like, and she's trying to figure out if she wants to like go the traditional route and try to get an agent and a book deal or just self-publish. And I was like, listen, if you go the route that I did, you're going to have to have the patience of a saint because it's yeah. going to take you like, by the time you get the book out, your mind will be like in a completely different place, but, uh, over, over well over a year, man. Um, wow. and, uh, even before that, it was done a year before that. So it's just like the, the insanity of how long it actually takes. Um, but yeah, that, that's a way to, you know, cause it's delayed gratification. Ultimately what we're doing here, it's like, am I going to watch Netflix and get instant gratification or am I going to work on a book that I'm not going to see for two and a half years? Well, it's my responsibility to make the book that I'm not going to see in two and a half years or somebody listing the business that it's, it's not going to be profitable for a year or three years or whatever it is. Um, how can you make that exciting and motivating and stimulating today on your own? And if you can do that while harnessing the power of progress, which is actually the number one human motivator above all, it's not motivated. It's not anything external except a sense of progress. That's all. That's all uh, according to the research. So if you're able to do that, then you can, you can last, you can be very consistent towards a long-term project. And I know people listening, they likely want to start businesses. They want to do things creatively in their life. 
all of these things take time, you know? Um, so how can you make it exciting? So those are just some, some easy ways to, to ensure you're staying in the game, but yes, it's been, it's been a long while, man. Well, it does circle back though. If I, if I hit on one point, you mentioned a, a while back was around, you know, the 30 years in the future type thing and that vision. And if you're all, if you're just looking at that, yeah, it seems like forever. So it's like, you know what, I'll take off today. I'm going to, I'm going to watch exactly. Netflix, you know, I'll do, do it tomorrow kind of thing. But if you really think in those short kind of micro steps, it's, it's achievable to do today. So I think it's a big disconnect where it's like, I have time. And then, you know, one day turns into a, a year and it's like, oh, I was going to write that book in the past and we never get to it, you know? Yeah. And that's why I think it's so important to, uh, I call it manufacturing urgency towards our goals. And we can manufacture urgency in many ways. So for example, for this book, you know, like when you get a publisher, you work with an editor and they're very well qualified and they live in this fancy New York place. And um, I didn't want to wait for that because A, I didn't, that's not a guarantee. And two, there's no point in waiting for that. uh, Like you said, time would just pass by. So one of the simple things I did was to um, hire my own editor even before anybody ever all saw the book, but it's just that accountability. Oh, first of all, I'm paying this person. And she's asking me, Hey, Tommy, where's, am I going to see the next chapter? I'm going to see the next chapter. I'm going to see the right. next chapter. And so manufacturing that urgency is great because the vision that we create can sometimes feel like it's like you said, it's too far away. Even one year for a lot of people is too far away. Yeah. So when I, when I help people like craft their vision or do it for myself, I, we, we use the big vision, but then we say, awesome. What needs to happen in the next 90 days? And this is super relevant. Um, depending on when this airs, there's about 90 days left, uh, in this year. And I always say, put as, put the most important things of that vision that's going to make you feel like you're making progress in the next 90 days mm-hmm. and then manufacture urgency, whether that's a group that you're a part of, an accountability, coaching, mentorship, paying for stuff in advance, signing up for, you know, performances, whatever it may be. Um, because like you said, otherwise it's like, hey... <laughs> let me pour myself a cocktail and just watch the, watch the game tonight. Cause you know, writing or doing this podcasting stuff, that's seems a little, seems a little complicated right now. Yeah. And by the <laughs> way, I think that's, that's okay to do, right? No one's saying oh, not have fun yeah. and to be happy, but it's like, yeah, it's, it's choosing again, where the priorities are at some point you got to be able to, you know, kind of move that dial. So yeah, I absolutely agree on that. What, um, I, you mentioned your wife, uh, um, I want to talk about support systems just for a minute. Cause I think it's so valuable. We never do this alone. Right. Even the fact like, you know, I always talk about like you're a guest in the podcast, right? I can't, I technically I can do the podcast alone. I guess you could do just a solo, but like everyone, there's, there's so many people involved in kind of, you know, your specific journey. So can you share a little about support systems, how you maybe seek out mentors, anything you yeah. want to take that angle on to help you grow as a person? Yeah, it's, it's amazing. And, um, you know, behind every success story of any type, it's like, there are so many unsung heroes behind the scenes. Uh, you know, even just like talking about the book, like 35 people have worked on my book in some capacity, whether it's editors, cover designers, proofreaders, copy editors. I mean, it's just insane, right? So you look at yeah. something and so go, go look at your favorite art. I, you know, I helped a client, um, he, he wrote his first, uh, wrote and directed and produced actually his first film this year. And I was just like, I couldn't imagine the amount of people that, that were part of that. And first of all, it makes writing a book look like amateur hour and the easiest thing ever. Cause I'm like logistics and travel and contracts. It's just crazy. Anyways. Uh, so I look at four buckets with support systems. These are absolutely non-negotiable. I tell people don't even bother if you don't have uh, all the buckets covered in some shape or form. And they are one models. So models are people from afar that you want to aspire to be like that you, you want to live part of their life. Um, you know, like for me, like Ryan holiday is a full-time author. Like I, that's, that's one of my models, you know, so find models. You, you're not going to have direct exchanges with them usually. Um, but that doesn't matter. You have exchanges through podcasts, through books, through things like this. So we got models. The next thing we have are mentors. Mentors, um, are people usually in your industry, um, who have the results that you want, um, who are there kind of shepherding you along the way, you know, um, I make the distinction between mentors and coaches. Mentors are probably not going to be in the trenches with you, you know, every Thursday on zoom, like hacking out your priority list. That's more of a coach thing, but 
again, they might meet with you quarterly or you might get on a phone call with them quarterly and you do develop some type of relationship with them. But again, in your industry, list out three people um, that you would want to be mentored by and, and, you know, find ways to get in their sphere. Even if it's small, support them. It's, there's many ways we can talk about that later. So we got models, we got mentors, we got coaches. Those are the people in the trenches with you. Okay. Like we're going to do this. I'm going to, you know, what do you do? What are you committed to this week? Um, you know, uh, setting goals and holding you accountable, et cetera, et cetera. And again, that could be a group, that could be an individual. It doesn't matter. There's many different formats. And then, um, and then the last one is peers. Peers could have been earlier, but peers are people in your community, in your niche, or sometimes outside of it too, um, who they, you guys have shared values and you're vulnerable with one another and you support each other and you also challenge each other. It's like the type of relationship where it's like, I'm a podcaster, you're a podcaster. And I look at Brian's podcast feed and it's been three weeks and this guy's usually super consistent and I'm right. reach out and say, what's happening here? Those type of people. And so when you have, when you strategically invest in all of these buckets um, and it's not overwhelming, you just, you it's super simple uh, who, who you're modeling put yourself in front of mentors, have some type of coach or accountability system, and then identify a few peers that you're going to hold each other accountable. I believe those are required because when it gets hard and it will get hard, when you doubt yourself and you will doubt yourself, those are the people that, that are going to support you that, or hold you to the fire because we need both of them. That's a great point. Yeah. And I like how you broke those down because it does. Cause sometimes those get muddied of like, well, is that a mentor or is it not? So I think kind of put, break them down those buckets, at least it helps you compartmentalize a little bit more for sure. Exactly. Exactly. Can you share? So I, I asked earlier about a turning point and you mentioned 2008 and, and obviously, you know, what happened, you know, leaving the financial world, but I, w- I want to ask you about a breakthrough moment. So now you've started your business, you kind of, whether it was writing some of the books or the blog, anything like that. Do you remember like a breakthrough moment when you're like, I got something here. This is this is working for me. I don't know if maybe it's a client you brought on or who knows. I don't know. You can pick whatever, but is there one that's memorable to you of like, okay, this is the right path for me. Yeah, no, I love that breakthrough moments. That's awesome. Yeah. Cause we talk about so much of the, uh, of the challenges, right? Um, man, there's, there's been a lot. I would say I, um, I remember being, so I, I got engaged. I asked my wife to marry me in, uh, in, in this beautiful city in Spain. Uh, and we had this incredible trip and, uh, we're coming back on the flight and, uh, hadn't checked, you know, internet for a couple of weeks or whatever. And, uh, and yeah, and I got an email from, uh, this editor in, in New York for one of the bigger publishing houses. And he said, Hey, um, loved what you did with 1% rule you know, amazing, amazing work. Um, have you ever considered, you know, working with a publisher? And that was one of those cool moments where it's like, um, first I thought it was a scam, you know, cause we get all these emails all the time. And, yeah. right. Right. <laughs> and then I would, you know, I looked the guy up and I was like, okay, this is legit. And so that, that comes up because it was an unexpected moment of like, Hey, all of this work that you've done, you know, a lot of people are like, you don't need validation. And I, I do think validation, you know, starts internally. But when you're, when you're doing work and you're making an effort, we all want someone to say, I noticed you, or this is really good, or have you ever considered this? And so anyways, that was one of those moments where it's like, man, I've been writing for so long. And yes, I had gotten, you know, people, readers and stuff like that who said the, the work was amazing. But um, for someone to notice it in that position was, was awesome. It was one of those breakthrough moments. And so that's one. And then there's just, there, there's so many with, you know, um, the moments that your vision becomes a real thing. And, and sometimes, and this is the cool thing is that sometimes the vision that you set actually doesn't include some of the most amazing parts of it. And I think that's why when you set goals, I always tell people, leave a little space, leave a little buffer, leave about 20% where there's white space. You have no idea what's going to go in there because those are the people, the places, the opportunities, the connections, the experiences that of course, you're never going to know you're never going to know with foresight. You only know with hindsight. Um, so that's when that comes up. That's that popped in my head. Okay. No, that's, uh, that's interesting. And, and, and I think you're right though. I mean, the validation, we can all like 
sit around and be like, no, I don't need that. And I know. But the, but the reality is we, we're humans. We, we like yeah. that. You know, we like someone to give us a compliment. We like, you know, it shouldn't have to be the thing that drives us always, but it is nice to get that. And, and it's reassuring because especially if you are, if you have a, 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 a purpose, if you have a North star where you want to be able to help not just change the world, maybe change one person or five people or a hundred people, whatever it is, you like to hear that, you know, I think yeah. that's, I think that's relevant. Um, I, I have to ask you before we get out of here, cause we haven't really talked about it too much, but obviously from a podcasting standpoint, cause you're writing, what made you want to start a podcast? Why did, why was podcasting? Cause you've done, remind me is a couple hundred, few hundred, 400, something like that episodes, right. Or something. What's what do you yeah, have right now? It's a mix interview style. Some is just me, but total about yeah. four, four twenty or something like that. Six years gone now. You know, I, um, it really just started with, I just felt blessed that I had been exposed to some of this content and some of this information, some of these conversations. Uh, and, but, and, you know, it was funny because back then, you know, podcasting was like, you know, it was, it was, it had grown, but it was still pretty small. Yeah. But I said, you know what? I, I'm having conversations like this at lunch, um, you know, with like, with my peer group, which is amazing. They're awesome who else can I have these conversations with? And I, I, I'm, I'm obsessed with um, these free flowing conversations where you and I have no idea what, you know, what direction we're going to go with this. Like you have an intention, I have an intention, but otherwise than that, we're just, you know, anything can happen. Um, so yeah, just again, decided to do it. You know, it's funny in terms of getting started. I didn't just get started. It took me three months to get started. Why? Because I was, I was using equipment as an excuse not to get started. And this is actually a really good, I don't like to use the word hack, uh, but this is like a shortcut or a hack for anybody who's having issues getting started uh, with something like that because equipment or whatever. Now I say it was equipment at the time though. It was, I was felt vulnerable, right? It's like, I've never done this. I've never interviewed anyone. Am I going to be any good? I'm going to fall on my face, all of it. So one thing that I did was um, I looked at one of the biggest podcasts at the time, which was a Lewis house, you know, still is huge. And I say, yeah, let's, let's, let's dial it back. Cause you know, at that point he was doing all these produced videos and the guests were insane. And so I was like, let's go back to episode one of this guy's show. Uh, so I went all the way back and it was Robert green, who's a huge guest, but anyways, the audio was not good. The questions were a little clunky. Um, there were some awkward pauses. So anyways, okay. it was like, that was so liberating cause I was stuck on this stupid equipment excuse. And the reality was by seeing someone start, it gave me permission to actually get started on the podcast. Hmm. Um, and I think anybody can use that no matter what you're wanting to do, go find someone's first iteration of what they were doing. It's the internet. You can find it. You know, I, I, in one of my groups that I used to do one of my coaching groups, I would always pull up Gary, Gary Vaynerchuk's first, um, first uh, wine library TV video, yeah. which was awful, a horrible haircut, the lighting, I mean, horrible everything, but he's sitting there talking about wine. You know, now the guy produces like documentaries every single week. So I think it's important to, to take the pressure off when you're starting something new, because I got lost in equipment. What's the difference? You know, I had this mic or that mic and really deep down is that I was, you know, scared to be invulnerable. But the moment that I saw somebody else um, stumble a little bit or see their first iteration and say, you know what, I can, that's not like some, you know, that's not Michelangelo's masterpiece. That's like a real human being who just got started themselves. That gave me permission. I think all of us can do that. Well, and you also, you know, you mentioned the blogger, like your grandmother was the only one making comments. Yeah. I feel the same. I'm like, my mom's the only one that listened to my early podcast episodes. I know. It's just, it is what it is. I, <laughs> exactly. I, love, I love what Seth Godin said, where he's like the first hundred speeches he gave, he did for free. Like, yeah, no one knew really who he, I mean, some people did, but he even he's one of the most like humble people ever because he even said to me, he was like, he was like, no one knows who I am. He's like, maybe a, a couple hundred thousand people know who I am. That's such a small number. And it's just <laughs> such a the perspective of that. Um, Love that. But anyways, so let, let, let's uh, let's end on this if we can. We're talking obviously about getting started with the podcast, but let's say someone's trying to get started with anything. What have you learned? I, I'm going to I'm going to prep you to do one, maybe two. Um, it's an insight. Maybe it's a quote you live by. Maybe it's the biggest lesson or the one that at least sticks in your head the most. 
And I, I, I like to say, you know, if someone's writing it on a post-it note and they're sticking it on their computer tomorrow to give them that little nudge, is there something you would share with the audience that's been the most impactful for you um, in, your, in your career? Oh, that's powerful, man. Yeah. So I would, I would go one philosophical and one practical. And the philosophical is just ask yourself a question. So you could put this on the post-it note um, in regards to the thing that you want to do. Um, if you don't do it and you wake up 12 months later, how do you feel? So that's kind of the mm, reverse like engineer, the pain of not doing it because that's, you're going to wake up in 12 months, hopefully. Um, and you're either going to have done it or not do it. And if you keep thinking about it, like I did with my podcast, you're not going to do it. So that's number one. And then two, what would it take to start in the next? And I, I like aggressive timeframes because I think constraint allows for creative creativity in most cases. So everybody has a different time frame. but what would it take to start in the next seven days? What would it take to start in the next 10 days? What would it take to start in the next 24 hours? You fill in the time frame that feels right to you. Mm-hmm. Um, but those two things, if you have those on a post-it note and you answer them realistically, um, you're going to start making progress because that urgency is going to, is going to urgency compels focus and focus compels progress and progress compels results. So it's this beautiful feedback loop of attention, which is really our number one asset. So those two things would be, on the post-it note. And, and when they put the time constraint, going back to what you mentioned about your 250 words, would you recommend they, like, because get, getting started could be a lot of things. It could be, I want to lose 50 pounds, so getting started and walking around the block. Is it putting, like, some sort of barrier? Like, what does getting started mean? Do you recommend them going down that path as well? Or is it that's just actually, something? No, that's a good, that's a, no, that's a good, that's a good, um, that's a good distinction because, getting started, our brains can, you know, if you're going to get started on a podcast, our brains are like masters at, you know, ensuring there's 92 steps to do that. Right. So I would actually say, what does that define what getting started means? Okay. For me on a podcast, getting started with me, I'm going to record my first episode. Okay. In order to do that in seven days, let's just say if I was doing that, what needs to happen today? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I probably need to get the equipment or I probably need to reach out to my circle of five friends who are going to say yes to the podcast, or at least one of them will, because I have no list. So yeah, define what getting started uh, means and make sure that's super concrete. So there's no wiggle room. There's no, uh, you know, I was kind of thinking about it, but it's either like you did or you didn't do it. And that's a huge form of accountability. Yeah. That's awesome. Tommy. Where can, if everyone wants to uh, say hello to you online, where's the the social watering holes you hang out on? What's the, what's the best place to get a hold of you? Yeah. I'm on the social watering holes. I'm either pulling an all nighter or I'm disappeared for three months. Um, <laughs> so, uh, Tommy resist average on Instagram. Um, and if any of this connected in terms of some of the content, uh, hustlers and seekers.com is, is where I'm spending most of my time. And the new book, what, is there a, a plan launch date? I'm not sure exactly when yeah. this episode is going to launch, but what's the plan launch date just so everyone can hear it? Or at The least official is October 26th. Okay. Um, although I've been, people have been telling me that Amazon has been saying it's coming faster. I don't know because I haven't seen it. Um, so maybe somebody else will, will get it before I do. But yeah, October 26th. <laughs> awesome, man. Well, I appreciate you being on. This was a fun winding road of a conversation, but those, Great uh, questions, those are always man. the best, yeah. man. I appreciate it, dude. Brian, anything else so you much, want to say, anything else you want to say to the audience before we uh, part ways? No, just to just to to heed the advice of this podcast that if the the moment that you get started is the moment that other doors will open that you never saw possible and you never imagined were there, and that's the power of when you finally get started. It's like your your lens of possibility opens up from this small little thing that you thought was like a hobby to something with limitless potential. So, but it has to start with walking through that door. You don't walk through that door. None of it's going to happen. So I just love the message of the podcast, man. Well, I hope you all enjoyed that great interview. And thanks again for stopping by. And just one more quick thing before you run along in your day. If you were looking for some more resources, some more insight, you know, inspiration, things that get you going a little bit further on your journey, feel free to head over to my website, brianondraco.com forward slash subscribe. And you can sign up for my weekly newsletter that comes out. That's more of a digest of a lot of information that I discover throughout the week 
whether it's a new podcast I listen to, or maybe it's a great follow online that's very insightful, or a video I came across. I put that in a digestible form that you get once a week, as well as I blog three times a week. And these are very micro-type blogs, one to five minute reads. They hit your inbox Monday, Wednesday, and Friday morning, and maybe give you a little dose of inspiration to get you going on your day. So feel free to sign up for those if it's something you might find as value. Thanks again for listening in. I hope you guys have a great day, a phenomenal week, and we'll talk to you soon. Take care. 